0: Uh, This morning, um, I'm going to invite Tim White, who's been a dear brother of mine. I've known that brother for about 17 years, believe it or not, 16, 17 years. I met him when he was a freshman in college. Now he's a dad with four kids. Um, One of the things about our church that you need to know is that we believe that when you get up tomorrow morning, God has a mission for you. God has a mission for you wherever you're at, to speak the words of Christ and to share the love of Christ. God has a mission for you to be his mouthpiece, hands and feet, teachers, nurses, wherever. That's why we do this. That's why we exist, to equip you for that mission. And Then there are those of us that come along that feel called to vocational ministry, which is to be a pastor. And Tim is one of these guys. And one of the things that our church is committed to doing as part of our equipping and preparing you is that if you feel a particular call to vocational ministry, that's to be a pastor, we want to be able to provide spaces where you can be trained, sometimes via internship. Tim's going to be doing an internship with this, for this upcoming year. And a part of his internship is going to be preaching. So he is going to come up in a moment, and I'm going to pray for him as he shares God's word. If you ask me, what do I, Tim, come on up. If you ask me, one word to describe Tim, um, I can't because there isn't one word to describe Tim. Um, he is faithful. He is an amazing servant. He loves Jesus. He is solid, solid. He is grounded. He is an amazing father, an amazing husband, an amazing brother, a brother in Christ. And let's not forget, he could play the drums a little bit too, okay? Um. Pray with me. Father, we love our brother. We love our brother. We thank you that we are part of a diverse, multi-ethnic, multicultural body. And that we have the amazing blessing and privilege to hear from different voices. So that we could see a larger facet of you, God. We thank you for various voices that come to the table to share your word. And in that, we get to see a side of you that maybe we may not have seen before. So we thank you for the gifts, the passions that you have planted in my brother. And as he comes and shares your word with us this morning, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us. That these words would jump out of this page and become alive. Help us not to hear a man's voice, but to hear the very voice of God. And meet us exactly where we are. You know, speak to us in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, Pastor Peter. Testing, one, two, three. Can everybody hear me okay? Good. I am delighted to be here. Um, when Pastor Peter asked me to do this. Uh, I told him um, that this is very weighty. So to stand up here before you, it has a lot of weight and I'm feeling that weight. So, pray for me. But I'm so grateful. Um, I'm glad to be here with my beautiful wife. She had to step out because uh, this week our son Joshua, he's been getting, he's been having a little fever. He's not been feeling too well. And uh, so, he wasn't well enough to go to Kid City. So, she had to take him out and Maybe they're outside or something like that. So she's here. Glad to see my parents. And I'm just, this, I love my church. Um, I'm glad to be a part of a new community. It's weird to not be there this Sunday, you know. So, um, but I also see what God is doing in me and through me here. And I have to answer that call. I'll start off by saying that it is not my intention to be before you long, growing up in the black church. um, Typically, speakers would say that, (laughs) but there's a code in that statement. You got to hear it. It's not my intention. But given that I came up in the black church, on top of that Pentecostal charismatic you have no idea what's about to happen. So, <laughs> however, Pastor Peter has given me my limit, so I will stick to the two-hour limit. Thank God. Amen. 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 Uh, <laughs> grateful to be here. So, uh, when he told me to share uh, this Sunday, he told me to stay on the same trajectory, dealing with the Holy Spirit. I want to take a poll for a second. How many of you actually grew up hearing about the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand. And the rest of you, you didn't, never heard, this is new, kind of, not sure? One thing I can tell you, I grew up all of my life with this teaching. And after so many years, it still doesn't get old. I will. After all these years of hearing this teaching, hearing the Word of God about the Holy Spirit, it doesn't get old. We desperately need the Spirit of God to live this godly life, amen? So that's where we're going today. That's where we're going today. So I'm so thankful, and some of the things we talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being our guide, the teacher. The one who empowers us, the one who points us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is serious. And we need to take the Holy Spirit seriously. As I start my sermon, just before I, we get into the text, I want to share something with you uh, that God put on my heart this week as I prepared. And I got to tell you, it was painful, it was convicting, it was a huge burden for us, God's people. And when it hit me, I, I did not have words to express it. The following day, I was able to write them down. So I'll read to you what I wrote. But I was going to sleep, it was like Tuesday, and... I was going to bed, didn't quite get to sleep, and it started with two phrases that God put in my spirit, and it was strong. Now, when you hear it, it may not sound like much, but it cut me deep, and then the Holy Spirit just worked it into me. Okay. The time for apathy is over. The time for being a mediocre Christian is over. God has called us to follow Him with our whole heart. And that reality must be evident in the way we live and the way we think. We have a Starbucks Christianity. A Starbucks Christianity. We want things our way. This is not true Christianity. And and these are the two phrases God hit me with first. This is not a game. Choose today. Whom you will serve. Will you serve God or will you serve Satan? Will you die to yourself so that Christ may live in you? Or will you follow your own lusts? Too many of us are practicing sin and claiming to be of Christ. Too many of us are following the ideologies of the world and still claiming to love Christ. The two cannot coexist. Something has to give. Something has to give. We cannot serve God halfway. We will either give him all or give him nothing. God has called us, us as a people, people of God, to repent of our apathy, to repent of our complacency, to repent of our acceptance of sin, to repent for rejecting and suppressing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. People are daily being deceived by the lies of Satan. And the question for us, God's people, what truth can we give them if we are believing the same lies? We are called to be salt and light. We must come back to the truth back to the scriptures, back to biblical Christianity. Our allegiance is to Christ and his kingdom. Allegiance to him trumps any allegiance to any person, whether family or friend. This is the word that God spoke in my heart this week. And I don't, uh, I don't usually cry I'm not uh, a person that usually cries, not that I'm afraid of crying. But it's when the Holy Spirit hits me a certain way, I just can't stop it. And for about 10 or 15 minutes after sensing God telling me this, I just wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. And God just did. And all I could say was, God, Forgive us. God, help us. God, forgive us. God, help us. Forgive us for not seeing you for who you are. Forgive us for allowing the world to dictate who we will be, how we will be, what we will do, and what we will say. So this word is pointing us to be true to God's call, to live as citizens in his kingdom. That if we are truly bought by Christ, it means we have entered into a new arena. It means our lives are to be different. So thank you for allowing me to share that. And this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the way God put it in me like that. And that's my prayer, is that the same way God did it to me, that the Holy Spirit will speak. You know where you are today. We know where we are today. Let the Holy Spirit speak today. We turn to the Scriptures. I'll be coming out of Luke 24. That's where we will spend the bulk of our time. And kind of my focus, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, and when Pastor Peter initially brought this up to me, uh, uh, the main focus was to see just how the Holy Spirit works in and through the Scriptures. So that's really going to be my focus here. Luke chapter
0: 24.
1: And some verses I may need to skip through. There's a lot of reading let me lay out the scene for a second. So at this particular moment, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. Now something you need to know about the Roman Empire is that they were very good at killing people. They were very good at torturing you and killing you and making sure you were dead. This is the context that the people of God, Jesus' disciples, are living in. And now they've just seen their Savior crucified. And everything that they thought they were, who they were supposed to be, completely escaped their memory. At this time, they are hiding because the Roman Empire was also very good at putting down rebellions. And anybody who stepped up to kind of rebel against the Roman Empire, they would take them out and get all of the followers. So that's why they're hiding for their lives. But what's underlying this is what does Jesus say? First verse, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, the women, and certain other women... With them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Okay, so they were going to anoint his body. This is a process that they did. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now I've read this verse countless times, but when I read this, it was a little bit different. Almost as if there's some slight disappointment in what the angels are saying. My translation What are you doing? Why are you here? Now, I mean, they are perplexed, dismayed. What's going on? Jesus has been crucified. They come, and they're shocked. His body's not there. And listen to that question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And then, here it comes. He, Verse 6. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. So even in the midst of their pain, the angels remind them of a greater truth. You remember what he said? Do you remember what he said? And there's something, as I meditated on this, there's something deeper behind that statement. Remember what he said when he was with you. I can give you an example. Growing up, my dad with his Thundering voice When he would talk to me and my brothers He would tell us to do something Clean up your room, whatever it was He would say, go do it Maybe a couple minutes later He found us and we weren't exactly doing what he told us to do And my dad would stand there With his stern look And he would typically point his finger And so, I'm telling you, I I do this with my kids. I think it's effective. (laughs) I think it's very effective. (laughs) But he would point his finger and he said, what did I tell you to do? What did I say? What I want you to see is that there's something deeper than just what was said. There's something else My dad was trying to get me to recognize. Do you remember who I am? So, what he was saying had a direct connection to who he was. He's saying, Do you recognize my authority? All of a sudden, by his statement, there's this positioning that happens. It's me now seeing myself in light of who he is that his statements ring powerfully. What did I tell you to do? And I had to think all in my mind, who is this man? This is my daddy. He's responsible for me. He is over me. I am to submit to him. So thus the power of his words. That is where I'm going is just as we approach the scriptures, and if you're taking notes, my my first point is this. As we look at the scriptures, it is through the scriptures that the Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is. So in the songs we're singing, the music we're playing, We're talking about his goodness, all of these things. He's our champion. You make all things new. But what we are declaring behind all of the things Jesus is saying and doing is, I recognize who you are. Verse 8, and i have to skip some. And they remembered his words. And I'll kind of skip along. They said they returned uh, to to Jerusalem. Well, they're in Jerusalem. But they returned to where the disciples were. Ladies go back, and they're telling them, here's what's going on. Here's what we saw. He wasn't there. The angel said this and that. And it was like, I imagine they have some excitement. They've got some confusion. All of this stuff is going on. And the, the rest of the disciples... They're like, okay, this is like tales, and what are y'all talking about? This isn't making sense. So they did not believe the women. Let's skip to verse 13. I'm mindful of my time. (laughs) I'm sure you've read this. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. So two of the disciples who were in the ga- at the gathering of the rest of the disciples, they were there when the women came and told them everything that's going on. We didn't see Jesus. They didn't believe him. And so later that day, they're traveling to Emmaus. It's like seven miles away. So they traveled to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together. And all the, uh, of all the things which had happened, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So I don't know if it was they were just in so much grief, they couldn 't recognize him, or supernaturally, Jesus kind of availed himself, but either way, they don't know that it's Jesus. It says. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So these guys, well, these disciples are sad, they're depressed. Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have not, and excuse me, you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happen there in these days? And he said to them, What things? You know, Jesus is kind of playing dumb. You know, hey, what, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed. And word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived from the tomb, who arrived at the tomb early, astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. So Peter went, maybe a couple other people, but they did not find him. Him they did not find. Then he said to. Them. Now, I mean, this is a boo hoo story. And you would think Jesus would comfort them. Oh, my dear children, my people, it's okay. It's, do not be dismayed. No. (laughs) He said, oh, foolish. Ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. I have always loved this passage. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them... On all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The underlying theme, I told you, the Holy Spirit works in the scriptures to reveal who Jesus is. Now, his disciples have been walking with him. They've seen his miracles. They see him heal people. They see him cast out demons. They see him doing all these things. And they're just excited and happy. And he also told them, by the way, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of wicked men. He'll be crucified. But on the third day, he's going to rise again. Now, of all that they've seen in Jesus' miracles and his works, you have to wonder, why don't they remember this? Because isn't that what the angels do? They bring up, well, this is what he said. And remember, I told you, they're pointing to who he is. And he goes through the scriptures, part of the work of the Holy Spirit, which is why we come to the scriptures, because it is the Holy Spirit that starts bringing to life who Jesus is. So in other other words, in order to live this Christian life effectively, we have to know who Jesus is, for for real. But listen to some of the logic that they had, because they still missed who he was, that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is Lord. He holds life and death in his hands. He has the power over death. And yet, they keep reverting to their own concept of him. He did mighty deeds before the people. This is in verse 19. He did great works. Man, you should have seen him. I mean, it was great to be in his presence. And how the chief priests, you know, they delivered him up. And Verse 21 is the one that gets me. We were really hoping that it was he. That he would be the one. I mean, he was so great and he taught so well. And his charisma and all of that. And it's like, we sure thought he was the one that was going to Restore Israel. What they had in their mind was that Jesus was going to start, was starting this movement, and at some point he's going to give the order, and we're going to march to Rome, and we're going to take over. That's the concept they still carry in their minds, but yet Jesus is showing, You're still missing who I am. Throughout his ministry, when he performed his works, he's telling his disciples, Do you? See who I am. In John 14, he's talking with his disciples. And then Philip goes, Lord, show us the Father. And he says, have I been with you so long you still don't see who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All that God is, you're looking at him. All right. Got to keep moving. I'm sorry, I've got I to gotta slow down, I'm going to preach myself happy. And then, you know, i, I got to be mindful of my time. <laughs> Let's keep going. So Jesus rebukes them. Get this. And so it talks about how they invited him to stay with them and... Uh, then later it says that from what Jesus expounded to them from Moses and the prophets that he opens their eyes to understand the scriptures folks that is the work of the holy spirit opening your eyes meaning you can read it 50 times but it's like that one moment the spirit puts his hand on it and you oh oh it was like that in my study like wow i've never seen that before and as we walk with God, he keeps revealing more and more. Even of the same scriptures, you read them a hundred times, he keeps revealing. He keeps revealing. I'm getting happy, so let me keep going. So these two disciples, you know, so Jesus, he, he's revealed, um, but he vanishes from them supernaturally. Oh my goodness, wow. Their eyes are open. They see who he is. They run to Jerusalem with the other uh, disciples, and they say, we got to tell you what we saw. Folks are still doubting. Jesus appears in the midst of them, revealing himself. Uh, Verse 36, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed. They had seen the Spirit. And he said to them, "'Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? "'Behold my hands, touch me, handle me, "'and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, "'as you see me, see that I have.'" When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still didn't believe. He said, "'Do you have any food?' Uh, "'To prove to them, (laughs) it's me.'" (laughs) He took it and ate it. But this is powerful. 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And one quick sidebar people of God, stop running from the Old Testament. Because that's what Jesus is pointing to. Okay? When they said it's all Scripture, uh, Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed, they had the Old Testament. And the Spirit is making this alive. These are the words which I spoke to you while still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance... And remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And he goes on, behold, I send the promise of the Holy Spirit. As I said before, what is underlying this is grasping who, who Jesus is. If we are going to walk as people of God, we have to know who he is, all that he is. Unlike the the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they had their own ideology. See, some of us, we are living with a snapshot of Jesus, maybe the parts we like about him. Just a snapshot. Oh, he's loving. I'm going to take that and run with that oh, he's gracious, he's kind, oh, he's truth, and I'm going to run with that. But the Holy Spirit brings us to the Scriptures and says, no, I need you to see all that I am. I need you to see how holy I am. I need you to see how just I am, how forgiving I am, how pure I am, how gracious I am. I need you to see my wrath. Ooh, we don't like talking about that, but you got to see all of it. If we don't understand the depth of our sin and how holy he is, do you know that his love will not make sense? If I understand that because of who he is, this, this is, I'm, I'm going to talk about myself. See, this is what God has had to do in my life. I grew up in a kind of setting, grew up in a Christian home, strong, you know, word of God and grew up with strong morality, walking the, you know, ways of God, living holy. That's what I'm called to do. How's my time, Pastor Peter? Doing good, yeah. All right. Walking in the things of God, which is true. I grew up in the churches that had a high view of God's holiness, which is, is how it should be. When I got to college... I prayed a powerful prayer, and I'm going to encourage you. If you want to feel like a, 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 a prayer warrior, if you want to feel like God is really speaking to you, pray this prayer. Lord, if there's anything in me that's not like you, reveal it to me. I prayed that prayer. Oh, yes, Lord, reveal it. And guess what? He start revealing stuff to me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He started pulling things up showing me, son, you're self-righteous. Yeah, I'm walking holy and doing all these things. He said, yeah, but you, you got this ideology that the reason you stand in my presence is because of how good you are living. And God started showing me it is by my grace that you are here. Amen. And it is by my grace that you are able to live the way I called you to live. So God had to shift this in me because I was, and, and I saw that I was kind of beating people up and I was coming from this judgmental perspective. And as we come, why I said we come to the Scriptures is because the Holy Spirit shows all of who Christ is. He said, yeah, you see my holiness. I need you to see my compassion too. I, 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 I need you to see it all working together. There is no compromise. When, when in John 1, where it says that Jesus is full of grace and truth, you need to understand there is no contradiction. He's not, you know, some of the, day, some of the time he's graceful and some of the time he's truthful. And, you know, he, there's this tension Jesus walks with. No, it's saying he's 100% graceful, 100% truth, 100% of the time. That means everything he does, everything he says, whether he shows compassion to a sinner or he deals out judgment, there's no compromise with who he is. It's always working. I'm going to tell you this, that even when he allows sinners to come to himself, he is just He's loving there. And even when he called the flood of Noah, his love did not change. That's hard for us to take. That's hard for me to take. But we got to see it. And that's what God started doing in me. So, if you're taking notes, my second point, that would be, it is once we see who Christ is, now that we can begin to see who we are. We see our position. We see him, and we see where we line up. That means if, I say, if we recognize he is king, Pastor Peter's preached on this, it means, guess what? There is no part of my life he can't talk to. There's no part of my life he can't speak to. That means the Holy Spirit is going to wake us up and say, you know what? We, we, we have these weird things false theologies of who, these weird images of who Jesus is, that yes, he can I can give him this part of my life, but not this. Jesus, you are welcome here, but not here. And I see my time is going, so I'm going to wrap up. I won't be able to get to all of my scriptures. But my last point is we see ourselves in light of who Jesus is. Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. That is where the Holy Spirit shows himself. Because we are called to represent this king who is holy, who is just, who is pure, who is loving. You and me. You think we can represent this holy, awesome God in our own strength? It's going to take someone who knows the mind of God unlike any other, who's constantly pointing to Jesus, testifying of who Jesus is. And the only way we can see who Jesus is is we keep going to the Scriptures. That's why we go to the Scriptures. It's not just some religious act. It's not just something you do five minutes so I can just say I did it. It is every day we, it, we need the mind of Christ. So we're looking at what he said, what he did, where he went, how he acted, everything he did. And the Holy Spirit said, remember, as uh, even Pastor Michael talked uh, weeks ago about the Holy Spirit being the teacher, he reminds you, he brings up, what do you think he's going to remind you of? What he said. Well, we got to know what Jesus said. That's why we take in the Scriptures. And then the Holy Spirit brings it up. As we walk with him, he brings it up. He keeps revealing. The question is, today, will we submit to who Jesus is? Right now, in some of our lives, the Holy Spirit is unemployed. He's unemployed because we have the wrong image of Jesus. And we have to get, just like Jesus did with his disciples here, he's got to restructure our theology, our Christology, as we would say in seminary. We need to see who Jesus is. If he is king... What does that say about me? That I submit to him? And it also says that if he called me to follow him with the whole heart, that means he will empower me to do it. So even we come with our struggles and, you know, I'm struggling in this area, struggling with that area. We come as Pastor Peter's been saying, I can't, you can. We keep bringing that up. Yeah, I can't, but you you empowered me. Why? Because you died and you rose again. Because you live. There's no addiction. There's no temptation. There's no struggle. There's nothing that is beyond his healing power. I am closing. I want to urge us today. And I couldn't get to all of my scriptures, and that's fine. This is where God just wanted me to go. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, man, it's powerful. And God will begin to do things in us to shape us to look like Jesus. So when you walk out these doors and you encounter this world that is chaotic and confused, you can show this is what Jesus looks like in how we live, how we think, how we walk, how we talk, everything testifies to who he is. We're pointing to who Jesus is. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, always that you are gracious. And when you convict us, it is not to condemn us. It is not to push us away, but it is your love that draws us closer closer to forgiveness and repentance, closer into being who you called us to be. And the only way we can do that, Jesus, is by bowing our lives to you and recognizing you are King, you are Lord, and you've called us to serve you. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name today. Amen.